connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 87th ever show of All Around Sports. Each Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. Today I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week, and what a week it was. Also, in a few minutes, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. Well, last week I opened my show saying it was the best weekend in all of sports with the NFL Divisional Weekend, and I'd say it certainly lived up to that, to say the least, uh... This weekend, I consider the two NFL conference title games on Sunday the best single day in sports. So as you listeners know, for the past two years on my show, I have had uh, always had a category called Bizarre News Item of the Week. And after this week, I think I, I may have to retire the category because this will never be superseded. I, of course, am referring to the Manti Teal story. It is just... Uh, it's an all-timer. Don't ever remember anything even close to being like that before. And uh, to me, the craziest part of all is simply, and this is a note to NFL general managers as they uh, consider drafting him, is how Manti Teo could not only refer to this woman as his girlfriend repeatedly, including apparently after he knew on December 6th, based on the timelines that are coming out and subsequent interviews, but he called her the love of his life and how he can refer to someone who he never met as his girlfriend and the love of his life is frankly beyond me. The word being bandied about as this story unfolds is that he... Uh, was naive, but to me, uh, on someone you've never met, the love of your life is beyond naive. That's 
strikes me as more of, of like living in some kind of a fantasy world. And I could go on and on. You all know the story. Uh, again, it's the all-time bizarre story that I think I can ever remember. And, uh, you know, we'll just have to wait and see what unfolds. Obviously, everybody's waiting to hear from Manti Teo. That's really all that matters at this point. Apparently, ESPN tracked down the woman whose picture was used, and she disavows any knowledge of any of this. She's identifying herself as a victim as well. So crazy, crazy, crazy. And we'll see what happens and if and when Manti Teo finally speaks. But I'll go back to what I started with. As far as he getting drafted, I know he's rated around number eight uh, in Mel Kuyper and many other draft boards. But I just got to ask, no matter what the outcome, uh why an NFL general manager would bother drafting him. There's just too many unanswered questions and uh, why they just wouldn't move on to, you know, the next guy, so to speak. So we shall see. So what I'm really saying is I think it's very much going to hurt his draft status, despite what many people are saying, experts, I might add, that uh, say it won't hurt it at all. Uh, I'm not buying it. Well, my highlight of the week is Joe Flacco and the Baltimore Ravens Hail Mary pass at the end of that Denver game. To me, that is what makes the NFL playoffs. The NFL playoffs are those once a decade uh, type of plays that just uh, create legacies, can move careers to the next level, which is specifically what I think could happen with Joe Flacco. And I refer to, you know, Terry Bradshaw and the Immaculate Reception, Tom Brady in the tuck roll. Uh, although Tom Brady didn't throw a pass, it was all about him not throwing a pass. But what I'm talking about is transcendent turning point milestone plays that then take a quarterback, in this case, specifically to the next level. I think Joe Flacco... This may do that for him. Uh, you know, great throw. Obviously, the key was that uh, <laughs> the Denver defensive backs uh, tried to play, as Doc Rivers likes to call it, hero ball, make an interception when all they had to do was simply not let the guy get behind him. And uh, so Flacco, again, has already made some NFL history. First quarterback to go to the playoffs five years in a row, first five years. Won a lot of road playoff games, and so I think he is poised to uh, perhaps go to the next level, springboarding off that Hail Mary pass, and, uh, and oh yeah, Roger Staubach had one as well, uh, as we uh, the original Hail Mary pass, uh, not to mention Doug Flutie. So, uh, the good news is, we won't have to wait long, because we're going to find out on Sunday, and I think that the uh, Ravens are obviously going to show up to play. I think it's just going to be a fantastic game, uh, physical. The Ravens seem like they're on a mission. Uh, truthfully, I feel like it's their time. You know, to say they've been knocking at the door for the last five or six years would be an understatement. They've been a solid team for a decade, been in the playoffs consistently. We have the Ray Lewis emotion retirement factor and, uh, I just think that it 
might be their time to at least get to the Super Bowl, as in beating the Patriots on Sunday. Uh, we shall see. Going back to the weekend, uh, the Broncos game, I mean, I cannot buy into the thinking that, you know, letting Peyton Manning kneel on the ball with 30 seconds to go, two timeouts. And why do you have Peyton Manning if you're not going to go for it? I'm not buying into John Fox's explanation that he was, uh, that they were, quote, shell-shocked from the Hail Mary just had just occurred. John Elway, his GM, his boss, backed him. I'm just not buying into it. Uh, Matt, Matt Ryan proved the very next day you can do a lot with uh, 30 seconds and a couple of timeouts. And uh, so I, I just thought, you know, it was horrific play calling, not to mention the series before. They had a third and seven, and they just ran a routine running play that was snuffed out. And, you know, they punted to the Ravens, which, of course, immediately led to the Hail Mary pass. So uh, no guts, no glory. That's where I put the Broncos' devastating loss. To say the least, I think this one's going to stick with them for a while. My highlight of the week, uh, excuse me, my low light of the week was uh, last night's part one interview of Oprah Winfrey with Lance Armstrong. Basically, I thought Oprah did a great job, but it just felt staged, especially from Lance Armstrong's point of view. Uh, you know, very matter of fact, it didn't feel sincere. There was no emotion. Felt like he was holding back and still at moments, you know, trying to defend himself where he, uh, you know, but then occasionally catching himself and not going any further. But, you know, it was just a feeling like, uh, you know, that it was just something he had to do for whatever reason. We don't know that reason yet, but I feel like, Somewhere, somehow, there's like, uh, you know, a list that he needs to accomplish to try to get back in the good graces of whomever. And that, uh, and that, you know, this was on the checklist, maybe number one, go public with an apology and an admittance. But, uh, it didn't do a whole lot for me. Uh, I don't know his personality well enough to know if that just simply is his personality. But again, wasn't seeing much emotion, uh, and I, but I thought it was interesting. I will watch again tonight, and uh, we'll see what he has to say of interest tonight. And my event of the week that I attended was, of course, Patriots-Texans. Uh, a workmanlike game. The crowd was really into it at Gillette Stadium. It's nice to see that they can still bring it at playoff time. Uh one of the cool things is nobody sits down for even one second. The entire stadium stands for every single minute. So that's good. And, uh, you know, when the Ravens, or excuse me, the Texans closed at halftime to bring it to uh, 17-13, thought we might have a ball game, but then the Patriots scored the first few times they had the ball in the second half. And, and that was it. And, uh, but in my mind, basically, uh, the game was never in doubt. Um, that will not be the case this Sunday. I, I think it'll go down to basically as many of these games do to the final series or two, and we'll see what happens then. And now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from outside the huddle likes to say, it's time to pay some bills. So let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, 
Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Tune in to a show about making a comeback and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond. Listen for The Comeback Radio Show with Tony Farmer. A lot of people believe what they read on the Internet, hear and see in the media, and on the news. We're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype. It's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling, and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about? Either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go. You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. And Barry, how are you doing today? I am excellent, John, and uh, thank you so much for having me on. Well, thank you for calling in. Uh, well, I started off my show talking about Manti Teo. I'm anxious to get your opinion. And what I said at the beginning was, and there's a lot to say, but I simply said the part that baffles me is how someone, how Teo can call a person he's never met his girlfriend, but more importantly, the, quote, love of his life, baffles me and makes me think that NFL general managers are going to severely question him and, in fact, maybe even just pass on him altogether, most of them. Uh, there's a lot I could say. There's breaking news as we speak, but uh, that was my you know, initial thought from the moment I heard the story a mere 48 hours ago. It feels like 48 days, but... What it, uh, um, we're all dying to hear your opinion as well. Well, 
honestly, I have to say that the, you know what you just said. I never really thought about that, but uh, I would have to I would have to agree with you that you know this is if it's a red flag. I don't, I don't know. I mean, listen. I mean, it's today is January 18th, okay? And you know, I I would submit that this story, you know, no matter what happens the rest of the year, I, I, I think we can make a case for this being the most bizarre story of the year, most bizarre, most strange, uh, most weird, you know, however you want to describe it. I, I think it's all of the above. Um, you know, the story just keeps changing, and, and, you know, we just keep getting more and more information or, you know, reported information anyway. Uh, you know, now it's coming out that uh, that young man named uh, Renaya Tuiasosopo has supposedly, according to a report by ESPN, has admitted to duping Mateo. He opposed, supposedly has uh, confessed to uh, a famous princess uh, from the church uh, in tears on the phone, confessed everything to her. Uh, this all his doing, Mateo had nothing to do with this, that Mateo leaked that this, uh, that this existed. And what uh, the young man, uh, Renaya did was he had a cousin who would, he would pose as this Lanai Kiyuka, uh, who was supposedly Monty Teo's girlfriend, although, as you say, he had a girlfriend that he had never had, he had never met, had never physical contact with. You know, there was a story early on in the process that the two of them had exchanged phone numbers after a Stanford game, and that was proven to be, you know, not, not reliable. Uh, you know, there have been so many twists and turns to the story. You, you, you almost don't know what to believe and what not to believe at this point until you actually hear the people involved coming out and admitting on the record, okay, here's There are people who still believe that, that Monty Teo was in on this to give himself more publicity because of this, of this story. Um, you know, the, the, the story about how his grandmother died, which of course is fact that we all know, and the same day, I believe, finding out that his, quote, girlfriend, uh, had died, uh, and apparently had died of leukemia. Um, now what we're hearing is that, uh, Renaya Tuyatasopo, who was the, the supposed mastermind of, you know, according to these reports behind this whole thing, is now saying, well, you know, that, that the girlfriend was, was a fake, the, the, the auto accident never happened, the leukemia never happened, and again, I mean, there were stories about Monty Teo going to sleep uh, on the phone with, with, with this woman, listening to her breathe as she slept and for eight hours, and, you know, it's, 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 it's that whole, that, that's kind of bizarre, too, I guess. I mean, I've never done that with anyone I've known, but, uh, you know, hey, listen, each his own, right. but, you know, it's it's a very strange story, and you know. And again, I, I, I think the, the bottom line to, to really all of this, until we know what actually happened, you know, anything we can comment on, you know, we can certainly comment that that's weird or bizarre or whatever. But I think until we know the facts, you know, if the facts ever come out, I mean, they eventually will. Um, once they do come out, then only then can we really truly judge this story, uh, judge the merit of the story. But, you know, for now, it's just like, it's a complete head-scratcher. It's a complete, you know, what the heck's going on. And, you know, we need, we need to find out some answers. We really do. And, you know, you, you, you've got, you know, the entire uh, uh, you know, nation community is, is, is up in arms about this. And, 
and everybody is, and everybody wants to know what's going on. And you know, and 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 to your point about uh, you know NFL GMs and scouting directors, you know, this is, this is a real red flag. And I uh, again, I never thought of that angle, but it's, it's, it's a really good point. Uh, like I said, the bottom line to all this is that we need to find out the facts until we can really truly judge the story the way it should be judged. Well, excellent analysis, Barry. And just to take it a step further I mean, to what I said, I said, you know, to me, again, uh, referring to someone you never met as the love of your life is beyond the word that's being bandied about with Tao. The nicest word attached to him so far has been naive. But to me, yeah. that strikes me as more fantasy world stuff and just like, wow. You know, you you really have to wonder, and I think GMs in the NFL are really going to wonder. I mean, what, why bother? This isn't our. He's good. I, I think I don't think he's as good as quite the story of him was. And I bought in hook, line, and sinker. By that I mean, you know, I went out of my way to watch him being introduced on Senior Day at Notre Dame at home, where his parents were at midfield, and it was a, one of the top college football moments of the year. I'd be less than honest to say I didn't have chills running up my back, and I specifically, you know, put myself in front of a TV at that exact moment for that exact reason. And uh, so, you know, but it's, to me, the other part of it now is apparently a Notre Dame official today expressed surprise that Teo hasn't spoken yet. So at this point in time, every minute that passes that Teo doesn't speak makes the story more suspicious, period. If you're telling the truth, there's no story to, to create or line up or button up or anything like that. You just get on the phone or, get, excuse me, get in front of a microphone like Jack Swarbrick did the other night, the SID at Notre Dame, and talk, period. If there's nothing, if you did nothing wrong and you're telling the truth, then there's no story needs to be, again, buttoned up. So every second that passes, to me, just raises more and more suspicion on this. I don't know. Yeah, I'm the most mean, suspicious yeah, guy by and, nature. Yes, and you know, uh, and again, this is something we've talked about on the show previously with with, with other situations. You know, uh, both of us, uh, along with journalism backgrounds, we also have PR backgrounds, and this is crisis management 101, right? I mean, if, right. if there's a if there's a crisis, if there's an issue, if there's a question, if there's something that just isn't right, the first thing you want to do. And especially with, with today's with, with the world we live in, with 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 with, with Twitter and, and social media, with things happening so fast, the first thing you want to do is get out, get is get in front of, of any negative news, right? Any negative perception of your of your story or your product or your your, your or a person or whatever you're representing. You just want to get out there and say the truth. You want to be transparent. You want to just just let people know what's going on instead of either stonewalling or staying silent, because as you say, you know, the longer that happens, you know, the more you, the more you question it, the more you wonder, uh, because, you know, and, then, and, and, you, and you put it perfectly. If there's nothing to hide, if you're telling the truth, get out there and, and say it, and then people will believe it. People will give you the benefit of the doubt as long as you're fast, as long as you're concise, as long as you're contrite, if you made a mistake. And if you didn't, make sure you get yourself out there and say, look, you know, this is, this is the story, and this is what happened. And, and you just move on. So, you know, I agree that, you know, until we hear from Monty Teo, you know, we're going to keep, we're going to keep doubting and we're going to keep wondering and, 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 and that's just the way the world works now. So, 
I, I agree that I, I think that's what needs to happen here at, at some point. But, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's one of the weirder stories that I can ever remember. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's saying a lot because we, we've seen a lot, of, a lot of weird stuff over the years and, and, and in all kinds of arenas. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think this takes the cake. So we, we, we just need to hear some answers from, from somebody as to what really happened. Yeah, well, it's certainly a story for the 21st century. No question about that. And, uh, again, you know, just strange. I mean, to me, you know, it's one of the apparent disturbing parts is, is that, you know, uh, apparently he knew about it December 6th and, you know, has talked, you know, at minimum he appears to not have, you know, put the story to bed when he, he let the story go on and, you know, I, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt here that, you know, he's just so deep that he couldn't, you know, uh, he just didn't know how to, you, you know, undo it, so to speak, or stop it. Uh, but, you know, if indeed he learned of it December 6th and then there are a lot of people putting together timelines and quotes from his stories after December 6th and there appear to be at least right. two where he, you know, clearly not only, you know, didn't stop reporters from asking it or whatever, or just, you know, somehow swept it under the rug, but he clearly, you know, continued to talk about it as he had previous to December 6th. And, and that clearly raises, you know, some red flags, some alarm bells, but, uh, you know, again, so that to me, the best he can hope for is, is that, you know, a story that he just didn't know how to get out in front of and never went to the experts like Swarbrick to ask how he would get out in front of something like this. But it, it, it's an all-timer. I said, you know, as you know, every week I do highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from the past week. And I said at the beginning of the show that I may have to retire the category of bizarre news items after this week because <laughs> this one isn't going to be beaten for a while. It, it defines the very word bizarre. Yeah, and, you know, and the, the other factor, too, uh, the story is, um, you know, he, he, you know, knew what was going on early in December. It didn't take him three weeks to report it to the people at Notre Dame. So, you know, I, uh, I just think there's, again, a lot here that we just don't know. And, you know, a lot of, um, uh, just a lot of different takes on this. And the story keeps changing. So, you know, we just, we just need to find out from, from, from somebody, from whether it's, um, excuse me, whether it's from, uh, Tao himself or, you know, somebody very close to the situation or this young man, uh, Renaya, who got the soap, if he comes forward, you know, uh, people are going to doubt it. People are going to doubt anything until we, until we hear a, a, some sort of, if you want to call it a, 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 a confession, a tell, whatever you want to call it. We, we, we need to hear some answers and, uh, Absolutely. And then just one final note before we go to break. I mean, I also can't help but wonder, especially listening to Swarbrick the other night, that had to be the weirdest week ever in Miami leading up to the BCS championship game. I mean, you know, by by every account, you know, the cat was out of the bag December 26th. And, you know, I just think about, you know, how weird that must have been for, you know, Swarbrick and Teo himself, perhaps, uh, still yet to be determined. But, you know, I mean, ESPN was literally 24-7 on this, as was everybody. I mean, the coverage, the, 
you know, the, the college football media, uh, even more so than usual because of the matchup. I mean, it had to be just a surreal kind of experience. Like, I'll just focus in on Swarbrick, who I, who was super highly respected, near legendary in, in college football circles. And what a weird, weird, period that must have been i mean like an out-of-body experience almost where you know here he is preparing for the biggest game in his career and uh and yet he's dealing with this and you know and what i'm really saying is they had to be walking on eggshells would be such an understatement worrying that the story was going to break during that time can you imagine oh sure i mean yeah yeah i mean like you say i mean this is the biggest game uh, that Notre Dame has played in years and then to have to have a story like this you know kind of percolating in the background um, you know that they're sitting you know, on yeah it's, it's it's unbelievable it really is it's unbelievable so, yeah yeah yep I couldn't, I couldn't agree more but uh, you know again we, we you know we, we really need and and for what it's worth and I think you'll agree with me on this uh, you know from listening to Swarbrick and watching that interview I think that he believed that, that Teow was telling him the truth when he when he told him, look, you know, this was this, I was duped on this, and then I I, it, I don't think at this point I don't think the Notre Dame administration has anything to do with this. I think this is all, uh, you know, if, if it isn't if, if Teow is not involved himself in it, then you know maybe we maybe at this point it looks as though uh, you know the 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 people the person or people that duped Teow are the ones. Blame. I, I, I don't think Notre Dame had anything to do with this. I don't think they were doing that. I don't think they were involved in it in any way. Um, but you know, again, we need we need answers from everybody involved until we can really, you know, what really happened and really judge judge this story. Yes. Well, you know, Swarbrick and Notre Dame obviously went all in. I mean, Swarbrick was, you know. And to me, you know, it just brings, you know, I, we could just go on and on and on. But to me, you know, I look at Swarbrick putting himself out there. And, again, he is really a well-known guy to the media, the sports media, to put it mildly, maybe the most high-profile SID, uh, no, official university spokesperson, well, maybe the best, most well-known and respected in the country, and to me, you know, to take it a step further, you know, I, I look at Teow and now, and I say, well, you know, you let Swarbrick go out there and face that really unbelievable situation. I give him credit for just putting himself out there on national TV for an hour. Um, and, and yet now he hasn't spoken. Teow hasn't spoken. Swarbrick clearly implied that Teow would have spoken, certainly by now. Um so, you know, again, now I'm back to just wondering about Teow, you know, just what I said earlier, uh, you know, he let Swarbrick twist in the wind, and he hasn't shown up yet to back him up, so to speak. Well, you know, maybe that's up to the Nordic, maybe that's up to Swarbrick and the administration to reach out to Teow and say, hey, look, you got, we got to get you in front of a camera, we got to get you in front of a microphone, you know, this has to be rectified, and, you know, I, I would tend to think that that has been at least attempted at this point. I would think they would have to, you know, to try to control the story. So, um, so we'll see what happens. I mean, I would expect that we would have to hear Teow speak on this at some point very soon. Yeah, absolutely. Again, 
very soon, like yesterday. I mean, yeah, you know, exactly. it, it has to happen just immediately. I mean, at this point, you know, Tom Condon obviously is his agent, well-known, well-known agent, to put it mildly. So at this point, you know, I and I'm sure many other people are, you know, we're, I'm wondering about Tom Condon. I'm wondering about IMG, the, you know, legendary company who, you know, Condon works with and representing Teow and he's, you know, I used to live on the west coast of Florida, so I have a very, very strong visual image of him being holed up in IMG's academy down there in Bradenton. And it's just, again, just all really weird and just getting weirder by the moment. Yeah, and, and you know, maybe, and, you know, maybe they're in the same state that we are. Maybe, uh, maybe IMG and Notre Dame are waiting to hear the truth from Tao. Maybe he hasn't spoken with them yet. But we, we don't, see, we don't know because it's just, the story is still evolving and still changing and still breaking. So, you know, this all may be going on, uh, you know, in back channels as we speak, but, uh, but clearly something has to, something public has to be put out there, uh, the sooner the better, like you say, uh, as soon as yesterday. So that, that, that's pretty much where we stand on it, I think. Absolutely. And then, uh, also, you know, you can't help wonder now just about the Notre Dame performance. I mean, I think it's very safe to say that at minimum, Teow and, and Swarbrick were not on their game down in Miami, so to speak, in the days leading up to the game, which, you know, I, I'm a person who puts a lot into intangibles. And, uh, you know, even if they're the only two who knew, that they're such high-profile guys that that would have translated into, you know, the Notre Dame team and to Kelly and uh, the team. I mean, at minimum, their emotional leader wasn't himself that week. I think that's a pretty safe statement to say. And, you know, that had to make people wonder, you know, I know I'm going out there kind of, you know, assuming some things, but I think it's a pretty safe statement at this point to say, you know, that he wasn't himself. Uh, he couldn't have been. There's just no way he could have been. And, you know, I think it probably translated in that final week to his team and ultimately translated onto the field the night of the game. Well, yeah, well, you know, with, with all this going on, how, how, how could he be himself? You know, Correct. You, it would, no it would have to, it would, I would absolutely have to affect him in some way. So, yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that. You know, and, uh, you know, we didn't, you know, I, and I suppose if you go back and watch a film of the game, you, know, you might be able to find some spots or point to some, some plays or some, some instances where, gee, you know, he, he didn't really see himself on this play or look at him because he doesn't look quite right, you know. I think if you went back and looked, you might be able to kind of, you know, you know, uh, again, not not trying to get into any, any kind of conspiracy theory type things, but you know, you, you may be able to find plays or situations or instances where, gee, you know, look, he 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 didn't look quite right on that play, or look at him on the sidelines, he looks like a little his his, his his concentration doesn't seem to be there, or anything like this. So yeah, I mean, I, I would think it would have to have affected him. Uh, and, you know, and if there were anybody else on the team that knew about it, which at this point we don't think there were, uh, you know, who knows? You know, again, you know, we, we, we could we could get uh, more bombshells of this story as, as, as it continues to break. So, you know, until that happens, you know, we're just, uh, you know, we're just kind of figuring and conjecturing and, and guessing. So um, it, it's, I think it's you know, the utmost importance for, uh, for somebody to get out there and say, okay, here's Here's everything that happened. And, you know, whenever we, we know it's been reported, we know it's been rumored, uh, but, you know, the, the, the facts have to be put out there very soon. 
Very soon. I agree. Um, all right. Well, Barry, great analysis. Good talking with you about this, again, just utterly bizarre situation that is, uh, you know, to me, we're, we're only at the beginning of this. This has a long way to go, and uh, I think it's going to get more bizarre before it gets uh, less bizarre, shall we say. So with that said, uh, it's time for a break. I know you're sticking around on the other side, and we'll have another uh uh, similar situation, not similar, that this is a one and only, but uh, crazy sports situation to talk about with uh, Lance Armstrong. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Do you feel the need for speed? Whatever your addiction, NASCAR, IndyCar, NHRA, Formula One, or even lawnmower racing, Pit Pass USA has got you covered. Larry Henry here, host of Pit Pass USA. I put my 30-plus years of being a motorsports broadcaster to work to bring you not only the best guests, but also the most interesting guests in racing. Pit Pass USA with Larry Hedlund. Your front row seat to the world of racing. Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Channel. Be there or get a DNF. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is one 888 346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And on the line with us still is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. And Barry, we move from one crazy story to another, and that's from Manti Teal to Lance Armstrong. Uh, I watched the entire interview last night, said at the top of the show that... Uh, you know, I was unimpressed, I guess would be the best word. Uh, what were your thoughts? Well, I, I did not see the whole interview. I just saw bits and pieces of it. But, you know, 
I don't think anything I saw would really surprise me at all. And, you know, I, I think I would follow, follow what you said. And, you know, I, I, I wasn't really, wasn't really impressed with anything he said. And I wasn't surprised. I do think that, you know, there were, there were a couple points when, you know, he, when Oprah was asking about, uh, you know, different, different providers and different things that he, that, you know, when, when he, when he was, clean, when he was clean, when he was not clean. And he, he had said that in 2009, 2010 that he, he definitely was clean. And this was all, this all happened before, you know, in the mid 2000s. So I believe him. I think about that. I do only because, as I said to my wife when we were watching, when we were watching the interview, at least what we did watch, um, I said, you know what? If he's gonna, if he's gonna put himself out there, if he's gonna put himself on TV with Oprah Winfrey, why would he be truthful about some things and, and still untruthful about other things? That doesn't make any sense, right? I mean, either you're, either you're all in, telling the truth, or why even bother to, to put himself in that situation? So, I, I, I everything I saw, he said last night, and, and he even came out and said, look, I know I'm not the most believable guy in the world at this point, and, you know, People who backed me, people who had my back for years, you know, I wouldn't blame them if, if they didn't believe anything I said again. Okay, I, I, I get all that. I get the fact that he seemed contrite. He seemed that, you know, look, you know, I, you're probably not going to believe anything I say at this point. But so that all that said, you know, again, I think if you're, if you're, if you're going to put yourself in that situation to be interviewed on national TV by Oprah Winfrey, then, then just what, what possible motivation do you have? Not to tell the truth at that point. So I, I, I think he's forthcoming. Um, in fact, Oprah had said that she, he, she was actually more forthcoming than, than she expected him to be, and I believe that. So you know, I, I think, I think again, you know, we're, we're always talking about you know needing to come clean in the situation. You know, obviously this, should, this is something that should have happened a long time ago. But listen, this was, I think, you know, any, if you've learned anything about the cycling culture, is that you know this is this. this Behavior was condoned by the top organizations in cycling for years while this was going on. So they turned a blind eye to it. I mean, it was, a, it was you know, a good story. I mean, uh, you know, the best rider in the world comes back from cancer to win the Tour de France. It's a great story. It really is. And, you know, uh, you know, the, the, you know obviously the, the, the people involved in Livestrong, you know, deserve an explanation and, and you know, that, 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 that that's ongoing. So, yeah, do I believe him at this point? Yeah, I do. But in the big scheme of things, does it really change anything? I, I don't know that it does. I mean, you know, I, I think that, you know, I think we've all kind of moved on from from, from this scandal and, and this story that's kind of gone on for a long time. And, you know, uh, I'm not quite sure if, if there's a whole, I mean, I, there's, there's interest in it, I guess. But, you know, as far as new ground, you know, I, you know, I think the only new ground really is for him to come out and say, "Yeah, I did it," but he was accused of doing it for years, and he and he was, uh, you know, there have been accusations about Lance Armstrong for a long time, and you know, and you know, he denied it, denied it, denied it, and now he's saying, "Oh yeah, okay, I did it." So, like, all right, well, again, why should wait this long? You know, so that that, that that's pretty much where I stand on. Again, I I agree with you that uh, there wasn't a whole lot about it that really impressed me, but. Do I believe him? Do I believe what he said last night? Yeah, I do. I I, I think he was forthcoming. So, uh, and I agree. I don't think he lied last night. Put it that way, but I think he was still. There's a part of him still just resisting or holding back or whatever. Uh, he's a fighter, and I think he's still fighting a little bit. But uh, you know, on a different 
way of looking at this, especially in light of the Manti Teo story. You know, I've been surprised how this story has kind of leaked out little by little by little by little, you know, over the course of the past week. And, you know, starting on Monday, Oprah, Oprah herself talking about it. Uh, I found that by the time we got to last night, it was somewhat anticlimactic. We pretty much knew what he was going to say, and, and he said it and just expounded upon what we already knew we were going to hear here. But also, and this goes back to just sitting on a story, which you talked about with Notre Dame, of course, uh, I think by the time I got to last night, I'll speak, you know, what I thought was just simply, you know, well, this is mildly interesting, but it's not half as interesting as the Manti Teo story. So, you know, and by the, so I watched with like less interest than I would have watched. And my whole overall point is I think they sat on it too long, number one, or started leaking out too much too early so that a week was too long for this to be sort of in the public consciousness. You know, I, I think it should have been a, you know, I, I don't disagree with the getting nuggets out there to whet the appetite but I thought a week was too long. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that as a tried and true journalist? Yeah, I, I agree with that. And it was, again, it goes back to what we were talking about before about how, you know, we don't have a 24 hour news cycle anymore. We have a 24 second news cycle. So everything happens so much faster now than it ever did. Uh, you know, maybe they should have, you know, that, that's a good point. Maybe they should have acted sooner. And especially, you know, I, I think, I think the whole Monty Teo story was, was so strange. And so bizarre, maybe it stole the thunder of the Lance Armstrong story. Maybe it did, uh, because, you know, now you have two bizarre stories out there. But, you know, again, the Lance Armstrong story is something that's been suspected for a long time. It, it, I don't really see that as a bombshell. I don't see the Lance Armstrong story as a bombshell story, because, again, you know, if, if, it, were, if it were an athlete who we thought was clean for many, many years, you know, and I'm not going to name other athletes as, as an example, but, you know, Think of think of any athlete you want to think of. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mention any names or, or anything, but just picture any athlete you think of with a squeaky, who might have a squeaky clean image, and and if, if if that person were to come out and say, yeah, I did this, I did this and did that, it would be shocking, okay? But for, for Lance Armstrong to have this revelation, it's not really shocking because it's, 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 these these are these are accusations we've been hearing about him for years, so. Yeah, I mean, again, that alone, you know, steals some of the thunder away, and to have the Monty Payout story breaking at the exact same time, well, I, I think that's a way more sexy story and a way more bizarre story than Lance Armstrong. So, yeah, I, I think if they were going to do this, they probably should have acted a lot faster, and they probably should have done it a few years ago, actually, to be honest with you. So, um yeah, I, I, I agree with all that, but you know, but again, if it were, you know, for some, if, if it were, you know, just for argument's sake, I mean, say, you know, if it were, if it were someone like a Tom Brady or a Derek Peter or you know, guys with great reputations to come out and say, you know, then you got a, then you got a bombshell. But I, I don't, I, Lance Armstrong is to me, it's like net, you know, and I, I don't, you know, it's not anything different than what we expected, right? I mean, you know, we've heard these rumors for years, so you know. Was it shocking? No, it wasn't shocking. It was just like, okay, well, now you're finally admitting it. You know what? You're finally admitting what you've been accused of for, for years. So, you know, but that's, I, I agree. That's pretty where I stand on it. Yes, well, again, uh, the two stories together make this a week unlike any other. Uh, I mean, I will say that for sure. Uh, 
just, you know, the places that the world of sports takes us is sometimes, you know, hard to believe. And I think this week, you know, never more so than this week. And, uh, and we, it's taken us to some pretty strange places. Uh, but time to focus in on the real sports. And that, of course, is love to get your thoughts overall on last week's divisional round. I said in advance, as you well know, to me, it's my favorite weekend in sports. And certainly, uh, I felt it came through. It was all that and more last weekend. And my favorite day in sports is this Sunday, the, when the two title games are back to back and the winners go to the Super Bowl. Uh, so what are your overall thoughts on last week and, of course, the week, weekend coming up Sunday? I think that the, um, I had picked the Broncos to go to the Super Bowl. So, um, Me too. Uh, for them to go down the way they did was really, really very surprising. And, uh, and I think they, I think they deserve a lot of criticism because especially, uh, the coaching in certain situations, um, means there was that, that third and seven that they had that they elected to run the ball. Uh, there was a situation at the end of the first half when Peyton Manning had the ball, uh, with two timeouts in his own 20 yard line. Listen, you went out and got Peyton Manning for that play for that moment. And yep. to not, and to not use him to use him to situations that he's known for, that historically he's responded to, that's, it's, it's inexcusable. I mean, I don't know what John Fox was thinking or what his were. Uh, they suddenly went very conservative and need to. Uh, but again, you know, if, 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 if you were gonna, if, if you weren't going to be aggressive in situations like that, I mean, that's, that's, that's why you got Peyton Manning for those, plays at those particular times, and if you're not going to use them, then you know what? You don't deserve to win, and that's to say nothing of of the way the Broncos' defense played that, that last bomb by, by Joe Flacco. I mean, that was ridiculous. I mean, you know, I, I think, think my cat like their better defensive back than that. Now, that was just, you're talking about bizarre. I mean, I don't know what they were thinking on that, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, look at all the big plays that the Ravens got, two long passes, um, and they, and, and you know what, the Ravens deserve to win, and the Broncos too. Uh, as far as uh, the other games, they listen, uh, the Niners showed me a lot. Uh, Kaepernick was unbelievable. I think we're going to see a lot more of that this week. Uh, it did not surprise me at all. Uh, Atlanta got the monkey off their back with that first playoff win. I think it ends for them. I, I think the, I think the Niners are, are, are have, have more going for them right now than the Falcons do. And again, yep. maybe that's unfair. Maybe that's unfair to the Falcons. I don't know. Maybe it is. Uh, but again, I, 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 I Niners are a better team. I really do. And I totally agree. I think the Niners. Uh, you know, I, I got to see them up close and personal in Foxborough. Uh, a few Sundays ago, and uh, I just, you know, was blown away by their intensity. There's no other way to say it. They are just a bad team. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. And the thought of them and the Ravens going head-to-head, and obviously another bad team, physical. When I, I, I don't mean bad, bad. I mean bad, like, intimidating, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be, you know, to me, an, an epic physical matchup, but uh, yeah, the, the Niners, uh, they look great. They do. They just look, uh, you know, uh, as the one team you don't want to play. And, you know, not because they're hot, because they're good and they're physical and they're mean. 
Yeah. And, and uh, I mean that all very complimentary. <laughs> yeah, and there's, and there's one stat I saw that I thought was really interesting. I mean, you know, when you think of Colin Kaepernick, and we've seen him evolve over, over the second half of the season, um, you know, we think of him as, as a running quarterback. We think of him as an athlete. We think of him as, wow, that guy can really run, running the, running the option, you know, all this stuff. You know, kind of a, kind of a, a, a much better version of, of Tim Tebow, if you will. But, um, you know, you think of him that way. But he can also throw the ball down the field. I mean, here's a couple of numbers that are really interesting, I think. I found these. Um, he's had, Colin Kaepernick has, has 15 plays this season. Of where he's thrown passes at least 30 yards. Uh, Alex Smith, who had played the first half of the season, had six plays like that. Uh, Michael Crabtree playing with Alex Smith was four, was 41st in the league in targets, 39th in yards game. Okay. Under, uh, with Kaepernick, he goes from 51st, I'm sorry, from 41st in targets to 5th in the league and in yards from 39th to 4th. So, you know, those are some very, very interesting trends and trends that maybe you, you might not think about when you're watching Kaepernick play because you're thinking, wow, even the guy can really run. He's a great athlete, but he's been throwing the ball all over the place. And, you know, a guy like Crabtree has been you know, maybe the biggest beneficiary of that. So I, I think that's something we really need to watch uh, in this game uh, against the Falcons. Um, so just a couple, a couple of things to throw out there for you. Um, oh, and they're very good points. Uh, as I watched the game last Saturday night, I couldn't help but think, you know, the light bulb has finally gone on for Crabtree. I, I, I was watching him remembering that guy from Texas Tech who had one of the great, you know, touchdowns in college football history of recent memory when he beat beat Texas that night, tiptoeing along the sideline. And, uh, and all of a sudden, there was that guy that I remembered at Texas Tech last Sunday night, and your figures are supported, are basically throwing out there that, yeah, it's really a lot to do with Kaepernick as well, but Crabtree was a unique talent in college, and if he has finally uh, arrived, um, then one more reason for the rest of the uh, the remaining teams to, to watch out for, and uh, Barry, i got to get your thoughts uh, as we get down here under two minutes of uh, Ravens uh, Patriots Sunday. Yeah, I, you know what, the Ravens have really gone further than I thought they were gonna, I thought they were gonna go. I really, I thought the Broncos would smoke them last week. I really did. Uh, obviously it didn't happen. Obviously the Ravens Lewis saga continues. You know, we kind of thought that they blew their load on that the week before, but obviously it's not the case. Uh, this is a proud team. This is a tough team. This is a, you know, a bad team, as you like to call them. Um, and, you know, there's no strangers to playing, uh, you know, AFC Championship game against the Patriots, right? I mean, the old, old, uh, old, uh, you know, friends going, going head to head again. But, um, and Flacco on the road has been so good, right? He's had five road playoff wins, the most, tied to the most, uh, wins in NFL playoff history. But I feel, I feel, I feel like this is the, the Patriots game to lose. I mean, Brady's 86 and 15 at home in the postseason. Think about that. 86 and 15, all right? He's the most career playoff wins of all time of any NFL quarterback ever, all right? Uh, I think a lot's being made of the fact that, the, that Rob Gronkowski uh, is hurt. He's not going to play. Um, you know, they, they've learned how to play without him, okay? And yes. they've, done well, they've done well without him. They've averaged 34 points a game 
without Rob Gronkowski. So that just goes to show you that, you know, they have lots of other weapons, right? I mean, I mean, Ridley and Green have been great this season. You know, they're two, two real good breakout seasons for both of those guys. Whereas, you know, last year they not much thought about their running game, but I think these guys have, have done a really good job of you know, not only running the ball, but, you know, catching the ball out of the outfield, bo- uh, outfield, out of the backfield, both of them. So, yeah, I, I would expect playing at home, you know, as you know, the, um, as you know as well as anyone, that the home uh, playoff crowd at Gillette Stadium will be, will be rocking. Uh, I, it's going to be a good game. I don't think, I don't know if it's going to be as high scoring game as a lot of people think. Um, I think it might be pretty low scoring. I think it might, the defense might rule this game. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you know, it's not going to be a shootout. A lot of people are saying it's going to be a lot of points scored. I tend to disagree. I kind of think it's going to be more of a, a, a little bit uh, old-school defensive type of game. So, um, that said, I still expect the Patriots to prevail, and I expect to see a, I will predict, a Patriots 49ers Super Bowl. Excellent pick. Uh, and Barry, great points, great analysis uh, throughout the show, and uh, specifically for these games on Sunday. And uh, hard to believe we're at the end of our show yet again so quickly, but uh, thank you again, Barry, and uh, Voice America listeners, thank you again for listening, and uh, we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.